What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest is a partner at the Rockwell Group who leads design studios in the firm's New York and Madrid offices. He has combined strengths in architecture and interior design. He takes on new and unfamiliar typologies beyond hotels and restaurants and approaches them from a hospitality point of view. He has a diverse project portfolio, which enables him and his design teams to create innovative and holistic solutions for their clients. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Keffer. Welcome, Greg. Hi, Dan. Excited to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. And actually, I know in, in the intro, just as far as using unfamiliar typologies to help your clients kind of achieve whatever they want to achieve, because your, your projects are so varied. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I find so amazing about Rockwell Group is that it's not just that you're doing interior design you're doing stage, you have a lab, you have all these things. It's like, it's almost like, and whenever I go there, it's like a laboratory of just like taking some of the craziest things and pushing the envelopes and coming up with like really um, boundary shifting outcomes on all of your projects. And so I'm going to frame it up with that one. But also the other amazing thing I find about Rockwell Group, I know you've been there for almost 11 years now, but there are so many people who work at Rockwell Group, leave, and then come back. And I'm just always amazed by that boomerang effect or just the inspiration where they go out and see. And like, there's not very many companies in our world that have that boomerang effect. I'm like, what do you think that's all about? Yeah, I think, I think you know, what, what makes Rockwell special is, is that sort of diversity of project types you work on, but also, you know, I come to work every day and I'm surrounded by people that think different than I think, right? And that challenge me. And, and I think that's what's exciting. Um, you know, when you work in a fairly traditional firm, it might be um, surrounded by people that, that are very similar to you. And so here, we, you know, we not only have architects and interior designers, but we have product designers, industrial designers, we have um, theater designers, we have technology people, we have artists, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's a really diverse group. And Sometimes we like to call ourselves the misfits in some ways, you know, we're not the typical um, stereotypical designers. So, so for us, it's just a really exciting mix. And I think how that then gets applied to projects is what makes our work interesting and, and as well, which is, you know, while we have a hospitality point of view, which is really about the human experience at the end of the day, I think um, being able to work on a train station or a museum or a theater, um, as well as hotels and restaurants and, and workspaces and all these other things, um, you, you not only are sort of applying this lens of hospitality on these different typologies, but it also allows you to sort of cross-pollinate things in ways that maybe if you're only doing one typology, you don't really kind of get those influences. So that's, mm. that's to me when it gets most exciting, when you start to see things merge together and kind of create new typologies and new New well, one of, one of the typologies you didn't mention, which I loved, and I would bring my kids there, is a playground or playgrounds. Uh, yeah. I, I forgot if, if you did the one down uh, by the seaport, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it was playground. Yeah, it, it was amazing. Like you're, and I feel like you have all of these different um, silos that 
kind of cross pollinate and inspire and really and then you have your, your like the, from the industrial and the product uh, and and technology design um in your labs it's almost like you have your own skunk works that kind of informs and implies and so you're always kind of on the cutting edge and then winning emmys and oscars and i don't know <laughs> just being a part of all that from on the stage side it just seems like i don't know like a designer's dream yeah yeah it's pretty exciting i, I think you know I, I think at the end of the day um you know the playground all these things the commonality is that it's real life experiences that connect people right and i think that's that's a super important thing with all of our work um and so you know like the imagination playground was really an internal idea that you know started being played with as a product um and then ultimately launched as a company um and super interesting you know the idea of play and how do how do people play together um so i think you know those kind of things are what's what's to me exciting about coming to work every day and for those of you who don't know the imagination playground it's imagine a playground okay so there's like some structures there's some rubberized floor maybe but there's all these blue blocks and shapes that that the kids or i guess grown-ups or parents can go in there and just it's not you're not limited to by whatever the structure is you basically can create and break down your own structures and it just it, it allows the little ones to be the designers and the architects and the builders it's yeah. super awesome i think it, it teaches not only creativity and and you know enforces imagination but it's also it's about collaboration so oftentimes you'll mm. see these kids together building something right and they figure out together like how are they gonna make this structure that's huge you know um and so, so I think there's some really key ideas that, you know, if you're just singularly playing with blocks, small blocks, it's different. But when you're in a, a large setting, group setting with these giant blocks, it's, um, it's an interesting learning opportunity, I think. Well, then I also loved how you, you said it's, it's like, it's obviously bringing people together. So to, and, and also that we can learn so much from children, right? Because yeah. they... I don't know, like they're just so pure in like their creative output and like what they want to do and how they're going to, they're going to go ahead and what they're going to build and how they're going to collaborate. Yeah. And through all these different channels that you guys have at Rockwell Group, I love how you're saying the, the one thing that kind of ties them all together is this hospitality point of view. And I'm, the more of these conversations that I have with people, the more, especially at larger firms, they're, everyone is realizing the value of hospitality because sure. it's really, like you said, it's all about those people and, 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 and how they experience things. So if we think about that hospitality point of view throughout all of your, your guys' studios, mm -hmm. like how do you guys in all the different studios define what hospitality is? Hmm. You know, I, I think, um, Hospitality, you know, right now we have a, it's a crazy world, right? <laughs> um, there's a lot of stresses going on in the world, um, whether it be war or bigotry or whatever, all these, you know, and, and it's ultimately pulling everybody apart in a lot of ways. And I think to me, the, the, the true reason hospitality exists is to bring people back together. And I think um, we need spaces and places and, um, uh, you know, uh, something that, that, is a common bond between people. And I think that's, that's to me, what's exciting about the world we are able to practice in. Um, Cause we're bringing, we're uniting people, you know, and hopefully mm. maybe bringing some people back together that have been torn apart by all this craziness. Yeah. So when you think about the idea of bringing 
everyone together like if so let's just pretend you're you're working on a new project right mm -hmm. and maybe it's not in the traditional hospitality studio maybe yep. it's it's stage it i don't know it's it's something it's a playground who knows um how do you guys kick off the idea of what is this point of view how are we going to bring these people together like how do how do you start talking about that on every single project sure. i think i think the first thing is um we want to kind of understand who are we designing it for, right? And mm -hmm. and um, what is ultimately what do they need? Um, what do they desire? What do they feel? Um, and and sort of have empathy for for that in in some ways to to um, you know kind of how do you create a space that supports um, what's going to excite them the most? Um, every project is different. You know, we always also do a lot of research up front. Um, we uh, every project we have is narrative driven. So we really like to do the research up front and build a story. And from that story, start to, to articulate the design. Um, so I think, I think, you know, it's, it's ultimately, it's about them. And um, every project we do looks different. And that's uh, the reason for that is that we don't have a set style. We don't, you know, it's really reflective of the need of that project and the, and the users of that project. And when you think about the needs of all the different stakeholders in a project. How do you know after you've developed the narrative and you've presented as a client, and either either at that presentation part or at the at the end, how do you know when it just resonates and you've hit it out of the park? <laughs> um, let's see. I guess I guess you know. I don't know if you ever know, other than you know when you have a restaurant and it's and it's impossible to get a table at, then you know okay something 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 struck there, right? I, I will say like when I look back, you know, kind of at certain moments in my career and kind of understanding, you know, when did you kind of hit a spark, right? Um, there's certain projects that stick out maybe, and and but I don't know that you knew it when you're in it until you're kind of out of it to kind of mm -hmm. look back on it, right, and see how it maybe influenced future work or or you know whatever it might have been, but. Um, and that's always fun to kind of look backwards, you know? Okay. So I love that you use the word spark and, and, and also looking backwards. So if you were to look back through your portfolio of uh, that, that you're working on or your teams are working on, like what's a, a recent or a very, or a past one that where that spark really just like turned into a, a flame and sure. like, you just really like, it just checked all the boxes and you're like, wow, I wish yeah. every project could be like that. You know, um, probably looking back, I, I think one of the big ones was uh, Noya House, the very first one here in New York, and um, it was a it was a co working space, still is, um, for creative types. But it was back then it was a sort of a new typology um, that was really about not only kind of the WeWorks but also the Soho houses and how do you kind of combine them into the social space as well as a workspace. And I think that kind of at that moment in time, it was when we were really kind of aware of this blurring of boundaries of between typologies and starting to really kind of dabble in that more as a firm. And I think um, it, it just kind of was this perfect opportunity that we were helping to shape what the, the vision of the business was as well as designing it. And, um, you know, when you're in it, it was kind of, it was a, it was a challenging process. It was a challenging um, project to hit budget wise and all that stuff. But then at the end, you're like, it created something really dynamic and special. And I think, um, you know, it got a, it um, got a lot of notice out there in the world. And I think it also um, just became a very apparent moment of like how when you take different typologies and bring them together, you get something really unique out of it. 
Um, so that was, an, that was an exciting one. I think also I look back at like, you know, doing Union Square Cafe for Danny Meyer. Like that was exciting because it was something that was so iconic in the city. And how do you take that to a new place and, and not screw it up, you know? <laughs> um, okay, so that's, okay. So let's, let's look at those two things. So one is you're blurring the lines between typology of workspace and hospitality and just countless other things. There's, there's entertainment because obviously there's, there's stages, there's, there's performance, there's light, there's AV. Okay. So you're really mashing everything together and coming out with something really new and exciting. And I, I was a member there and I, I loved it. I mean, it it was such a great place to meet people and to go have quiet time and and breakouts and entertain. Then on the other side, the idea of, and the weight and gravity of having a project and without the fear of wanting to fuck it up, if you will, <laughs> with Union Square Cafe, because that place, I mean, it's such a part of, and you're on Union Square, your offices are on Union yeah. Square. And and when that put its flag down and it started, it transformed that whole freaking neighborhood. And he does that with a lot of his places, but like there's one where you're braving new ground, you're, you're, you're trailblazing. And then the other where you, it's like, oh, don't mess this up. Don't yeah. mess this up. How do you do it? Like, those are two super different mindsets. Yeah, no, that's, and that's, that's what makes it exciting. Right. Um, I think, you know, with Union Square Cafe, it was Danny's first restaurant he ever, he ever opened. Right. And so for him, it was a very personal thing too. And so, and obviously I have a lot of respect for Danny and, and what he's built, but at the same time, he didn't want to do just a carbon copy of what he had. Right. Cause that would fall flat. So how do you take the, the basic elements that make made the original so great and how do you make it something new and fresh and feels, but at the same time feels familiar. Right. And so mm-hmm. there was little things we could did, you know, with, I don't know, the, the bar was the exact same length of the bar that was in the original. So dimensionality and scale were really important. Um, his art collection that was in the original, we found places for all the art in the, in the new one. So all these kind of things, um, Help to kind of craft the story, um, but at the same time, it feels fresh and, and relevant today. I think. And then, if you think about on the from the Neuhaus experience, where you're mm. you're mash, you're, it's this great mashup, and you're you've created this new kind of workspace environment. Okay, I think a lot of that has to do with your vision as a designer, and also feedback with ownership, like getting it to be just as you want. But I, I would think that you're that you're outlook and, and insights really help shape that tremendously. And on Union Square Cafe, it's it's awesome. It's it pays homage to, but it is different. But on that side, you know, Danny Meyer has such a like a vision of what he wants. Like how you're kind of blazing a new path over here and then over here. Like how do you find that balance with someone like like Danny? So you're you're really pushing the envelope as you guys do at Rockwell, but also, you know, you have to yields to Danny's uncompromising vision as well. Danny's really easy to work with, to be honest. Like, I think he, he has a lot of trust in, in working with us. And, um, you know, he obviously brings a vision to the table, but at the same time, he's not, um, he's not micromanaging. He's not over controlling. He's open to new ideas. Um, and, but at the same time, you know, we went into it with a lot of respect for, you know, the heritage and the iconic nature of the project. At the same time, you know, while we're doing that, we have the little, um, kind of, he called it a gift to the neighborhood of daily provisions. 
which was uh, it's a great little coffee shop kind of backdoor space. And um, so, it was, it was, so, it's, so at the same time we're doing something that's kind of legendary, at the same time we're inventing something new for him as well. So it was a really interesting mix of opportunities there. Wow. Uh, daily provisions. I, I, my first experience with that was Glenn Coben, who used to work at Rockwell many, many moons ago. He, he's like, oh, come check this out. It's really awesome. And I, we had a really great sit down in there. Um, it's so funny. The only dang. time I've ever been nominated for a James Beard Award was for this little 400 square foot coffee shop. <laughs> so you never know, like, you know, every project is an opportunity, no matter how small. It's a very, very special place. I mean, that, that place is just incredible. Um, so as you're looking out and you're, you're kind of seeing the landscape of where hospitality is going and you're getting all these new inputs from your labs and, and mm -hmm. just all the different silos within your company, um, how do you see what you do as far as design and creating the built environment? How is it changing or how have you seen it change over your career as far as bringing people together as you define hospitality? How have I seen it change? Um, yeah. Uh, can you get a little more specific on that? Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, like when you started your career, yeah. uh, you know, you have all of these, you're, you're building all of these spaces, obviously like people always want to come together. There's that root yeah. base, like people are coming together. Right. Um, but as guests become more aware of, oh, this is intentional, or this is like, there's this right. almost contrived thing. How, how do you, have you seen that? evolving so it's like something totally different and new how are you how are you keeping it new well um i think changeability flexibility um day partying those are all kind of integrated in every project we do <clears throat> so you don't want to have a stale experience you don't want to have something that you know you've been there once and you've done been there done that kind of thing i think that's also why you see trends of like these pop-ups and immersive experiences and all all the stuff that's you know obviously very relevant today um, but I think it's really about diversity of experiences, getting people to come back. Um, and, 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 you know, that's for us, that's exciting. That's why I like going back to the Noe house thing that the idea that the chandeliers are, are set up high during the day and at night they're on cranks and they lower down to be a different level during the day or during the, during the night. So I think just those simple gestures we can do to change from day to night, um, mm. you know, changes the mood of a space and, and makes it a different experience. True. Super adaptable. And, and actually that's been a really, I forgot about those moving chandeliers, because if you think about so many of these, especially on the F&B side, it's so hard for a new innovative F&B place to do lunch well and then transition into dinner. Yeah. And it's all lighting and being able to change that. And I, I, I haven't seen many that have done it well. Yeah. I think if the physical space can change in some way too, right. Beyond just the lighting levels. Um, mm. That's when, it, to me, it gets more exciting. Um, you know, so like for Equinox Hotel, our entire bar can disguise itself during the day and at night opens up to become a, a cocktail bar. Um, so that during the day, oh, you're yeah. not, you know, morning, you're not having coffee looking at a bar. Um, those kind of things. Wow. And then go looking back at your career and and where you are and all the studios that you're and your leadership role at Rockwell right now, if you were to look back on your career for, we, I know we all have so many mentors, but is there anyone through your career that kind of stands out as like, oh, this, this person in, as a mentor changed the direction of, of my career? 
I think I've been lucky in that I've had a lot of people that have kind of set my course. I, I, have, I have kind of a strange journey into how I ended up in hospitality in the first place. I mean, I, you know, my first job ever was at Skidmore in San Francisco and, you know, doing high rises and things like that. And then um, moved into high-end retail and then workplace um, and, and then uh, moved to Chicago and I worked with Eva Maddox. She was a huge influence in my career, I think. Um, so Eva, Eva was well-known for Brand, branded environments is what she trademarked essentially. So it was showrooms and, and spaces that spoke to the bigger brand ideas. Um, and that I think that's kind of the first place I ever kind of got exposed to really thinking about the human experience in a way mm. deeper than just designing a space for something. Um, and, then, um, and then I went and I became a principal at studios um, based in DC and then later in the New York office. And I think... Um, you know, the CEO there, Todd DeGarmo was a huge influence on kind of how do you manage people and how do you um, kind of create uh, studios that, that embrace creativity and, and um, yeah. And, and so I think, you know, and obviously David Rockwell is a huge, huge <laughs> influence on me now. Um, so super, super lucky to have him as a partner. And okay. So then if you think about um, your experience with, with, Ava and Todd and David, as far as these kind of larger than life um, teachers of yours, (laughs) like in, in what way do you feel that, or what have you taken from them in essence to, to, to pay it forward and inspire and impact those people on your teams? I mean, I think just always being grateful, you know, I think, um, we're all stressed out these days, right? And we're all at our wits ends for lots of reasons. And I think, you know, we're fortunate here at Rockwell to be super busy at the same time. And I think um, you just kind of, every once in a while, you got to remember to just take a breath and say thank you. And, you know, I mean, I think um, making sure people understand their value is really important and Mm -hmm. something I'm always trying to be conscious of. I, yeah, gratitude and appreciation. It's like the, the two most important things and oftentimes it's almost like, like for me, it's almost like I have to schedule time <laughs> to remember to do that. Cause you know, we all get so caught up in, in what we're doing, but I think that there's a way through, I guess, imparting gratitude and appreciation for others that we can all kind of like relax, recenter, but then also maintain intensity and drive and go forward. And it's, it's a very, uh, it's a very delicate balance to do it. it um, is, yeah. So how super important. Yeah. Yeah. And how, so, and then how do you do it through, through your, with your teams that are, cause now you have off, you have offices in Madrid, you have offices in New York, you you're now, you got something going on in Los Angeles. Where are you, like, where are you guys growing into? Um, yeah. LA is fairly new. I think it's uh, about two years old now. Um, mm-hmm. I oversee three studios in New York plus Madrid. So I have four studios I oversee. Um, my partner, Sean, is similar in that he has three studios in New York plus um, LA that he oversees. And then David kind of floats above that and, and works in the theater world and product design. Um, but I think, you know, I, I'm very fortunate to have senior staff within all these studios that, that are really running the day to day. And, and um, yeah, it's just it's a really it's a really good structure and great people to work with. And yeah, <laughs> awesome. So I, I know that we've talked about theater a bunch. Do you ever get pulled into those theater projects 
Oh no, I, I wish I could, but um, that's David's baby. So oh I, really? I, I get to experience it perfectly with you know going to, going you know seeing his uh, tech rehearsals and things like that. But I never get to design any of that. <laughs> okay, but then think about um, from a lot of that the theater laboratory, if you will, and then David pushing the envelopes and with and just kind of innovating and inspiring. How many times can you recall any instances that you were inspired by something that he came up with on the theater side that informed a project that you were doing on the hospitality side? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously theater has a huge influence on our work. Um, and I think it's it's not necessarily like, oh, I saw Kinky Boots and I'm going to take that and put it into the project, <laughs> right? But I th do think it's about being aware of your audience. I think, um, you know, a, a dramatic theatrical space is something Rockwell is probably known for very well, right? And so, you know, designing things like, I'm thinking about like Cathedral here in, in New York, which is this um, restaurant that has this huge kind of dramatic installation, art installation in the middle. Um, you know, that's that was a very purposeful theatrical kind of space that we were creating. Um, and I, it, but I think it's- Is that all, in the Moxie East Village? Yeah, yeah. Moxie oh, East, that place yeah, yeah. is awesome. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> It's uh, we created this wire mesh sculpture that feels almost like a ghost structure above you. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's like a, such a. I felt like I was walking into like Thunderdome when I was there. You know, <laughs> I was like, it, it was super cool. And just kind of underneath. Oh wow, that was. Yeah, I really love that place. Okay, so in a way, from that stage side, it's informing the theatrics of all the different things that you guys are doing in all of your studios. Sure. I think it's also and backwards. Yeah, it's also how do you tell a story, right? And how do you mm -hmm. how does the audience receive that story? And um, you know, David just came out with a book I think this past year about um, drama, right? So which is about how does theater and design, how do those worlds combine? Um, so there's a lot. There's always conversations around that and sort of things to learn from him, obviously. Mm. And then as you guys are, you know, paving a way forward and, and pathfinding in many ways. Um, What's exciting you most about what you see in the future and your and your guys' path forward? Oh, um, you know, I think I think there's a sense of community that's kind of bubbling up these days with our work. Um, and so, whether you know, David's always been a, a huge advocate for participating in your community and being engaged. Um, you know, things like um, during COVID, you know, coming out with this idea of dining in the streets and and how do we create um, sort of kit of parts that allows restaurants to quickly, um, you know, be able to continue operating their businesses when it first started. Um, but I think, I think that's a, that's something that we're very conscious of and kind of looking for those opportunities, um, to, to always participate in a bigger, um, community spirit in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, we just came out last week or two weeks ago with a new one for public space here in the streets where it's kind of creating these stoops um where it allows performances and things to happen in streets public in, in the city here in new york um and then obviously we work with diffa and 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 all that kind of stuff so so there's so i think that's something that to me is going to continue to be important especially with everything else that's going on in the world right now and how do we as a firm um you know participate at whatever level we can to help make good in the world, I think is, is uh, something we want to continue to do. And for many of those, are those initiatives as for the community building and, and reimagining, um, is that mostly pro bono or do you guys get paid for that as well? It's all pro bono. Yeah. Oh, wow. That we just talked about. Yeah. We do a lot of pro bono stuff. 
Okay. And then thinking about um, building community on the streets as far as far as it with respect to dining. Yeah. Um, I think one of the best silver linings out of COVID is just the move outward onto the streets for all these restaurants, not only as, as an entrepreneur and be able to have, be able to turn more tables, but also I think it's just bringing everyone back to the streets. Like, where do you see that going? Like, what are you, what are you hearing from the city? And like, is it going to stay? Is it going to be reimagined or are they like, what are you seeing? Well, my understanding is it is staying. Um, and to me, it's, right. it's very exciting. Um, you know, working in Madrid, I'm, I'm usually there once a month or so. And that city historically has been a city where dining in, you know, the plazas and, and on the streets is a very common thing, right? And there's an energy you get from that, that, um, you know, you don't get from a traditional city where everything's inside. So I love, I love that it's kind of transformed the city in some ways. Obviously, I think there's, there's the next phase, I think, in this is how do you start to maybe create a little more, um, I don't know how you say, consistency in the quality of the structures and whatnot, right? And but, safety. Right, right. Um, so, so I think, you know, that's probably the next, the next effort. But I think at the same time, it's really opened up the city in a way that had never been before. And do you, like, uh, do you have any favorites as far as um, what you've seen out there? As, hmm. as far as the push to outside yeah. that you we're either involved in or not involved in. You can be a fan. It doesn't have to be a project of yours or it can sure. be. Yeah. No, I think, I think one that sticks out in my mind, it's right next to my house is um, the empire diner in Chelsea. They did an amazing job with um, kind of really building a great structure outside, you know, has everything from sound system to, to ceiling fans and, and whatnot, but it's, it's really well designed. Um, and there's, there's obviously more than that too, but, but I think that's, it's, I love to see when people are, when they're going to do it, they're going to do it right. Right. Yeah. And that's been such a, a fixture forever. I remember when my kids were little, we lived on 20th street. I'd always bring them to that seal park right next to it, yeah, yeah. go inside, get some coffee or a little bite to eat. But um, yeah. And it's not like it, it's like a, just a neighborhood place that it yeah. kind of just reinvented by what they did outside. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a nice huh. energy. Yeah. Totally. Um, okay. So then, so there's a lot of exciting things out there that are happening. Um, what's giving you, what's keeping you up at night? What? Um, what's keeping me up at night? I would say really about the fragility of everyone right now. Right. And that, how do I, how do I create a space that allows them to, to flourish with putting creativity front and forward when, there's so many things that could be additional stresses outside of the job itself. Right. And so I think, I think that's, you know, we're all learning to how do you balance work with life a little better these days? I think, um, you know, the idea that you're not in the office five days a week anymore, which is great. Um, so having that flexibility, but at the same time, making sure that we're still outputting the best work we can. Right. And so, so that kind of keeps me up at night, I think is like, how do I still harness the same energy and, and inspiration, um, in a world that maybe isn't as inspiring every day. <laughs> okay. So can you think of a recent example of how you were able to find that balance of, oh of doing that <laughs> specific? Um, uh, no, I, I think it's, I would say, you know, when we're together in the office, I would say um, it's easier, right? Uh, when you're, mm. when you're trying to come up with new ideas via zoom, it's a little more challenging than when you're around the table together. Right. Um, I think there's also just, uh, different types of exchange you have when you're in person. So 
So um, while I think the flexibility is important, at the same time, I think being back in the studio probably produces our best work. Because of that collaboration and kind of free, free flow yeah. thought. Yeah, you just get a different energy, right? You can bounce things off each other differently. And, and I think, um, and also just sort of random things happen, right? So, you know, when you're, when you're remote, you have to have a Zoom call or a Teams call. It's purposeful, right? And I, I want to address one thing. When you're in the studio, I walk by someone's desk and say, hey, what, what are you working on? You know, and, and something, something might happen from that. That wasn't just a, hey, I need to talk to X, Y, and Z about something, right? Um, so I think that, that random opportunities of ideas, are, they happen much easier in studio. Yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to get back to the full five-day-a-week week thing. Who knows? Yeah. But I do think those unscripted collisions, if you will, were that happen, you know, making a cup of coffee or at the water cooler, the proverbial water cooler. Um, I think it's just sorely missed. And so, and it's so many missed opportunities um, I think because also, that's like, just not happening. Yeah. I also think, you know, when you're on a project that might be specific, know, let's just say it's a restaurant project, you might be working with just architects and interior designers, but you're in the studio and you're walking around, you might run into a tech person or an industrial designer or whatever it might be. Right. And so again, that that's, that's those collisions of grabbing a coffee and saying, Hey, what are you doing? You know, it's, it's a different thing than if you're just working on a project and specific team, a small team, you know, so. mm. um, specifically in your, I, I think you call it the labs. Is it the labs the department? Lab. The, the lab. lab, the lab. Okay. In the lab, they're always put, they're like cutting edge, they're messing with technology yeah. and, how often do they have some kind of a breakthrough or, or come up with some, some kind of a new idea and then turn it back and like educate everyone in the office? So it's kind of interesting how we work with the lab. Um, there's kind of two scenarios. So one is we might be doing a project and we come up with some crazy idea that needs sort of a technology um, component to it. And so then we bring, bring in our lab to say, okay, here's what we're thinking, you know, this sounds crazy, but then they come back and kind of think through a lot of different solutions. The, the other way that happens is that the lab might get hired specifically for a technology project, which happens a lot of times, but then they need sort of an architecture and interior design um, support to, to bring it to fruition. So, um, so it's kind of two channels, I guess, that happens that way. Um, but to me, the most exciting one is, is when we kind of come up with some crazy idea that we need a solution for and, and bring them into the fold. Um, so it's not like they're sitting around tinkering with new technology, then, then say, I don't know what to do with this. Let's figure this out. It's more, it's more purposeful, I would say. Mm. Um, but really interesting group of people. I think we have and 25 people there. Yeah. That's so amazing and so unique because I don't know very many firms that have like an R&D yeah. lab within them. So if you think about when you like, what's a harebrained idea that either you or one of your studios came up with that you're like, Oh, it's this pie in the sky. Hey, let's bring these guys in. What's something that they executed really well on. Um, I'm trying to think, well, one that's um, I can start to sort of talk about was it was a, this idea that um, we were working for a very large bank, uh, international bank, and it's for their headquarters. And um, they wanted us to do their lobby, right? So they hired us for a lobby project. Um, and, and that was it. They had no vision for anything beyond. They just wanted a beautiful lobby. And so we started working on it. And 
the way we start thinking is like, okay, so what's the opportunity here, right? What's beyond just a lobby? Like anybody can do a lobby. Like, what are we going to, how are we going to twist this a little bit to make it more interesting? And, and we started thinking about sort of the idea of the role of the bank in the community. And um, they have this, they had a grant program that was about um, every year they would give a certain amount of money to uh, local charities or, or efforts. And, um, but it was kind of a disconnected thing. I don't think people understood that the bank was doing this as their foundation. So we decided to make the lobby a community space that was about the community deciding where the money went. So we created a, um, a digital wishing well. And, and so the whole idea was that the, the community could come into the lobby space and essentially make a wish and, and from the make a wish, wish they would come up at the end of the year with where the money should go. Um, so, so cool wow. idea. And then we said, okay, now how are we going to do this? And so that was bringing the lab in and started talking about this and came up with this really cool idea of essentially a pool of water that has these iPads in front of it. And you can make a wish from the iPad and you fling the wish off the iPad and it, and there's activators in the water that make it look like it's skipping through the water. And then ultimately goes into this giant crystal space that, that then ultimately churns out at the end of the year where the money goes. Oh my God. That sounds amazing. So it's like crowdsourced. Yeah. Impact and, and share. Oh, wow. So, uh, so, so, so I think that's an, that's an idea of like how, how we take something that's a, maybe a very traditional project and, mm. and just twist it a little bit to make it a more meaningful, interesting, experiential kind of space. Is that open yet? No. <laughs> so okay. that's under construction, but yeah. Okay. So I'll have to come back to you and hear about where that is because I would, yeah. I would love to see that in action. And it's so amazing that you can have these super creative and capable executors of technology and ideas that it's, you know, it's, it's like this symbiotic, like no idea is too crazy. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think it's, it's really exciting, especially when you have the people in the, in the lab that can think big like that and, and do something great. Yeah. Totally. And then within the, within the lab itself, um, what's an example of some like real innovative envelope pushing project that they've done? Cause you know, I, I'm mostly paying attention to all the hospitality yeah. stuff. I'm not aware of that, but like share that with me. Um, so there's a one that just opened up recently is a luminarium, um, which is uh, we've all sort of been to these uh, immersive digital environments. I'm sure where you know you're surrounded by video and and uh, sound. Um, this is kind of taking it one step further in that um, the lab. It, it ultimately it's a company that's now been spun off from Rockwell called Luminarium, um, but it's these. There's first ones in Vegas right now at Area 15. Um, and there's one under construction. Oh, sorry, there's one in Atlanta as well. That was the first one. Um, but they're they're um, immersive spaces, but the content is live film. And so um, the first one was a safari where they actually went to Africa and filmed um, safaris in super high def. And so you're surrounded by these sort of two-story high digital high-res digital projections with localized sounds. So if you're standing at one end of the room next to the elephant, you might hear it there, or um, at the other end, you know, the grass is moving and you hear it there, but everything's projected, floor, walls. Um, and it's a true, like kind of high, high def experiential thing. I think they're doing, the next one is um, 
space and and um anyway there's there's lots of and how many people can be in there at once um i don't know the actual occupancy it's big though it's like um you know hundreds right hundreds oh yeah. wow and depending on where you are this it's audio different visually different exactly. oh my god i want to check that out well well yeah. we'll put that in the show notes so that people can check it out that sounds yeah, yeah. it sounds so cool but it's also just um I don't know. Like, I feel like as people are trying to create these new built environments and push the envelope, there's so many places that just actually, I would say most places do not have that level of capability. So like when you have a new or budget or, 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 or right or budget. Okay. So that goes back to client selection. But when you have like when, when you hire a, a junior teammate, right. Who's coming on and then, are there are their minds just blown away when they get to experience that? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously when when people come on, um, I think you kind of start them off slow, right? You're not just like throwing them in and saying, "Okay, figure this out." Um, <laughs> but I but I do think it's an inspiring place in that that you you know while you may be working on a restaurant project, your first project coming in, at the end of the day, seeing all these other things happening. Um, obviously piques your interest and whatnot. But I do think also at the same time, we do like to throw people in the deep end a little bit. And this is a place where people, the people that thrive here are, are not afraid of things, right? So being thrown into something that you don't know what you're doing, um, the personality that it get, finds that exciting is who, who succeeds most here. Um, and so, so I think um, it's, 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 for me, it's, it's a, I love, I love that. I love being challenged with different things or there's different typologies or, you know, um, learning about different cultures because your projects are in places you've never been. Um, I think that's when it's, when it's exciting. I don't ever want to do just another one of those, right? I don't want to do a repeat. I don't, um, I always want to push. Well, I also love like getting a new teammate in and kind of throwing them into the deep end, so to speak. I think that oftentimes that doesn't have like just like a, a rite of passage you have to kind of go up um but i do find that when you do throw someone into the deep end who is new they also bring fresh and new perspective and like a clear lens and it's and it might not be the the right outcome always sometimes it is but it it always gives new perspective and i think we all could have those rookie smarts, rookie yeah. smarts more, more, and just be able to tap into that kind of un, unbiased, unvarnished, unprejudiced kind of perspective and new and creative thinking. I think it's also why we hire from a diverse group of people, their backgrounds. It's not just hospitality designers we're hiring, right? Um, so, you know, some of the most successful people have come from backgrounds that weren't traditional hospitality design. Um, in fact, I, I think one of, one of my strong leaders here in my studio and, and one of the studios here in New York, you know, came, came and asked me for a job. He had no design background, never went to school for design and, um, was doing photo editing for a photographer. And he said, I can come and do, um, Photoshop for you. And I said, Oh, uh, I don't know if I could hire you just to do Photoshop. <laughs> and, um, he's like, how about I just come work for free for a week and see what you think. And um, I said, well, I can do that, but I would, I will bring you on temporarily just to see what you can do. And, you know, that was a number of years ago and he has been amazing. He self-taught himself design. And now is probably one of my most um, 
successful interior designers in, in the studio. Um, mm. and, and he's become a director, in fact. So I think, I think that's, the, that's the personality that really works here is somebody that's super motivated, obviously inherently talented, um, but able to like, you know, self-teach themselves. And, and, you know, my job there was just to give them the opportunities and to give them the learning experiences and mentorship that he needed, but at the same time, you know, don't hold them back. Right. Mm, totally. That's amazing. And I'm sure like how many people are working there now? 270. Oh my God. <laughs> through all, through all the different studios. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. But I, I can imagine of the 270 and the new people joining, it it really must be such a varied uh, group of experiences yeah. that are coming in because like you guys are really pushing the envelope on so many different projects. It's really, it's awesome. And I, I don't know if I've ever seen you do the same thing twice. Hope not. <laughs> um, yeah, but of the 270, I mean, you got to think we're also, you know, the reason we have studios is that we're conscious that one, we don't want to be a big corporate firm. You know, we're not structured that way. Um, but having the studios kind of allows you that smaller group, creative energy, um, collaborative spirit. So each, each studio is around between, I don't know, 20 to 40 people kind of thing. Um, and that sort of allows you to feel like you have a, a home that's tight within the larger structure, but you have the support of the big firm, right? So you, we have our internal PR department, we have our internal legal and all that kind of stuff, right? That helps us run as a, as a sophisticated large firm, but at the same time, it feels very easy and, and collaborative. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm not familiar with Ava, who you mentioned, Ava Maddox, I believe. Maddox, yeah. uh -huh. Ava Maddox. So what exactly would they do there? Because I, I, I'm intrigued because I think you said it was about building yeah, out brand actually, spaces. She trademarked um, the idea of uh, the, the concept of branded environments. That's so, it. Yeah. So she, um, uh, back in the, I mean, she, she's since I think now semi-retired, but um, the firm was bought by Perkins and Will, as many firms were. As many were. <laughs> um, and, uh, um, but she was sort of legendary in the business um, for really kind of taking brands and manifesting it into built space right so she was you know she was doing like the steel case showrooms at neocon and all that kind of stuff um and really became um sort of iconic in the design world for for branded spaces because the reason why it resonated it had to do with I think, building these branded environments okay so for showroom um a couple of weeks ago i was talking to aaron richter and you mentioned the equinox hotel sure. um and and I, <laughs> Okay, Equinox has like a thing, a vision, like it, from all their yep. their studios where you work out. But then as they transition in the hotel, and there are a couple of brands, there are a handful of brands that have transitioned to the hospitality space. But I'm always surprised, like, why do you think more have not? Because to me, it's the ultimate immersion, if you will, in a brand. Because like, if you're in a hotel or eating in there, you're like ingesting it, you're breathing it, you're sleeping there. I don't know why more brands or why haven't more brands kind of taken that approach on the hospitality side, do you think? Um, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you have to have the connection. So, so, you know, we've, we've been lucky at, at Rockwell to be able to take a lot of brands to the hotel side. Um, so, you know, Nobu as an example, right. Uh, you know, we've worked for Nobu for 30 years uh, designing restaurants. And, you know, when they want to transition into the hotel world, 
we worked on that strategy and, and then ultimately opened their first one for them and, and many more since. Um, but it was an easy connection, right? And that, that food is an essential part of hospitality and that, that service was, and, and how do you, and so the, the jump, the leap to, to a hotel is not that giant of a leap. Um, and it made sense. I think similarly with Equinox, right? It's, it's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a place that, um, you know, obviously health and wellness was a key pillar, but at the same time, um, sort of this, um, social class and things like that, that they really kind of, um, represented. So, so again, it wasn't a huge, huge jump, but I think, you know, those, those make sense to me. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I think there's others that may be more challenging just cause they don't have that direct connection. And maybe it has, yeah. Maybe it has something to do with just um, and and talking to Aaron, I remember with Equinox in particular, like I think he's he used the word like tribe, like they had a very specific right. like follow and and like a fanatical following. And I would assume yeah. that's the same with Nobu. Yeah, like everyone who whoever eats there freaking loves it, and they're going back and back and back and back. But like it's but it's it's not meant for everyone. It's right. a super right. tight demographic. Um, so maybe that's why it is, but I'm sure that there are so many more brands out there that could build out and deliver this totally immersive experience. Uh, I'm just, to me, it's just a mystery. Like, I don't know why there's a lot of brands that have rabid followings, but like, I don't know why they're not taking that next step. There you go. Entrepreneurial opportunity there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, 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 raving, raving brand. Hey, Johnny Ive, uh, let's make an Apple hotel. I don't even know how to start that conversation, but it's kind of a, it's a, it's a cool idea. Like, I, and, and I think uh, maybe we just haven't gotten there yet. It's also very, um, it's a crowded market too, right? I mean, there's a yeah. lot of people doing, doing this. And so, you know, I think you have to have a real strong passion for it and, and reason to do it. Hmm. So thinking about the 270 colleagues that you have, yep. the really kind of envelope pushing projects that you have going all over the world, all the all the careers that have started at Rockwell, gone other places, the diaspora, and then the, the many who have all come back. It's like a real, it's like a, there's a really cool recipe that you guys have going on. And when you think about like this, um, this catalog of work and the amazing people like what's exciting you most about where you all are heading? Mm. Um, I think for me, I think it's um, the ability to, to have a global impact, number one. Um, our work is, is all around the world. Um, I think, you know, it's exciting to, to have a group of people here that are always challenging me and, um, and I think every day is kind of a new day because of that. And it pushes me to think different. Um, also, I think, you know, for me working with Madrid, you know, there's a different point of view on design and how, um, how they see the world. And so to be able to experience that, it's exciting for me as well. Um, but I don't know, I, I just go back to the same kind of idea that, you know, designing for joy is probably my, my, that's kind of where I am focused at right now in my life is like, I, I want to make places that bring people together to experience joy. And I think we all need a little bit of that right now. And um, yeah. I think it also, that idea of joy and building spaces to spread joy, it in a way it ties so 
succinctly into the idea of gratitude and appreciation, right? I think it's like this joy, gratitude, appreciation. It is this Venn diagram yeah. of amazingness. And I think that's kind of like why we all do what we do, right? Because we we do in everything we do, it doesn't matter what you do, but if you can tie all three of those things together, you can really figure out why you're doing it and, and impact a ton of people. Exactly. Yeah, I think, I think it's why, you know, we always approach a project thinking about at the end user at the end of the day. It's not about, you know, we don't design by Pinterest. We're not, we're not designing um, a space just to make it pretty, right? We're not, we're, we're always starting with a bigger idea. And, and I think that's an important thing to be able to get the outcome of what I'm talking about. Um, mm -hmm. You have to, it's beyond just like, should it be blue or should it be red, right? It's a bigger idea. Um, yeah. Hmm. So uh, everyone in one of our alignment calls, um, in our alignment call, uh, Greg shared with me that he grew up on a farm in, in, in north, of, uh, north of Indianapolis in Indiana. And then you went off to college, right? Uh, yep. In Indiana okay. as well. In yeah. in Indiana. Yeah. Which Ball where? Ball State. Oh, oh, that's right. Ball State. The jars. Dave David Letterman. Um, <laughs> the jars. <laughs> yeah. The jars. Ball jars. Um, if you, the Greg that I'm speaking to right now, <laughs> went back to the 18 year old Greg entering Ball State, like, what advice do you have for yourself? Hmm. Um, I think at the end of the day, just always be nimble, always be open. Um, never, never say no in some ways, just, um, cause I think it's about, you know, experiencing lots of different things in your life to kind of find what, what is going to make you the most fulfilled. I think, um, my journey through my career and my life, um, I've been blessed in that I've had lots of different experiences to ultimately land me in a spot where I was in the hospitality world. I find it the most rewarding sector, if you want to call it design wise. Um, but I think in, unless you're nimble and open to following your gut in some ways, um, you know, you won't ever find that. So mm, just say yes, just say yes. <laughs> I love it. Um, so Greg, if people want to learn more about you or Rockwell, how can they get in touch with you? Um, yeah, you can email me, um, gkeffer at rockwellgroup.com. Cool. And then we'll put up the uh, Rockwell's website and all that good stuff. Um, well, I think what I took away the most from this conversation is that idea, and it's coming up in so many of the conversations, it's that Venn diagram of gratitude, appreciation, and joy, and really helping us figure out why we're doing what we're doing because it it applies to everything thank you for framing it up that way because i just i love that visual so i want to say thank you greg and i'm grateful and appreciative that we were able to spend this time together so thank you thank you thank you thank you dan this is fun yeah i loved it it was so awesome now i i, I just think i figured out a logo for the book so um, <laughs> uh but i also want to thank our listeners because as I was telling you before, like we keep growing every single week. It's awesome. I'm humbled, but I think most of it has to do with these amazing guests like yourself, Greg, who are uh, just coming on and sharing um, their experience and impacting others and shortening other people's journeys. So um, if this has changed anyone's thinking on hospitality or working or careers, please share it. It's all word of mouth. 
Uh, we're very grateful and uh, we'll all see you next time. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.